0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my wife, a better half and co-host, Star Petrie. Hello. And uh, we welcome you to the table once again, where we discuss everything in the culture, from politics to religion, you name it, and everything else in between. We talk about the culture, as well as our convictions and our desire to attempt to preserve what culture we have left in this America that we are living in today, that is indeed in hot water, Uh, and I'm pretty sure you know that from what you're watching on the news. I wanna say this just before we get started, please make sure to take the time if you're watching this on Culture and Convictions TV on YouTube to click the subscribe button in the left corner. We would love to hear from you so that you can get future notifications about future podcasts that we will be uploading here on YouTube. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, we thank you guys for listening, Stitcher, iTunes, and all of the different particular platforms we have. But you're welcome to the table and to the discussion that we're going to have today, and it's gonna be a doozy. So without (laughs) any further ado about that, what's up?
1: So there's a lot of things going on, obviously. Yeah. It's like the news is just, oh, just turn it off. I think you and I have had that conversation. Uh, and I like, have. I'm, I've turned it off. I don't want to scroll. <laughs> I don't want to watch. I think I'm yeah. just going to sit here and watch this Disney cartoon with my kid and <laughs> just believe the Lord for better.
0: And then Disney will do something. And
1: then Disney does something. The
0: cartoon will do something. Like-
1: <laughs> You're just taking me back. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah so like, me back. man, come on, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. like
0: Michael Corleone. Every time I think I'm out, they... Pull yeah, you back pull in, back in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, the one thing that happens though in a deluge of of news is that sometimes things that really should be um, given a spotlight and and mm. certainly talked about are sort of kind of glossed over. Not that they aren't mentioned. But it's, you know, I think we could all agree to this, that the media has the power and the ability to feed us what they want us to hear and what they want us to, you know, kind of imbibe. Oh so yeah. whatever the, the, the running thing theme is, that's what we're going to be given um, on a daily, weekly basis until they move on to the next thing.
0: No doubt about that. So
1: I don't know how many people may have seen um, the story out of Georgia
0: mm-hmm. where
1: 39 children were, were found uh, and located who were missing. Um By the US Marshals. So, this is yay, yeah, Yeah, Uh, hooray. (laughs) Like, like we should all be very excited about this.
0: This is humongous news. Absolutely. I mean, it's immeasurable in its value 39 children. I mean, that's, I mean, with with all this going on. But you know, it's one of those things where the entire uh, sex trafficking, trafficking of children, this whole thing has been somewhat kept under wraps it's not as much in the media as it should be, period, much yeah. less this particular uh, triumphant story. Um, it's one of those things that people kind of know, yeah, mm, but then they kind of move on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, definitely we want to highlight this because this is big.
1: So Operation Not Forgotten, like I said, 39 kids were rescued. These children range from ages 3 to 17, so think about that. Um, and, and, you know, just the thought that if, if we're not there to stand up for those who are defenseless, If we're not standing in the gap, you know, to protect them from from so many who obviously have very impure motives and intentions. Then to to feed our our children literally to the wolves is what we what we're allowing to happen on a daily basis. Um, So I won't I won't just go over the facts because we have a video. I want to go ahead and cue that um, and then we'll come back and talk about it.
2: Can look to the remoteness of the location. For two
3: weeks, U.S. Marshals, fugitive hunters, and other agencies scoured north and middle Georgia. We're
1: going to try to get you something to drink, okay?
3: Looking for missing and exploited children. Marshals Service Director Donald Washington says in all, 26 endangered children were recovered, another 13 found. Children authorities fear had already or were potential victims of sex trafficking.
0: One missing child. Uh, is worth thousands in my mind of, of fugitives that we go out and get.
3: The operation spanned across 20 Georgia counties. Sources say children were found in Gwinnett, Fulton, Clayton, Forsyth, among other places. Nine suspects were arrested. Authorities only identified three, including Kirk Waters in Newton County.
0: He was arrested for being in the comp- while in the company of one of our recovered children. He was charged with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon.
3: Waters, Stanson Causey, and others are now behind bars as state prosecutors step in to handle the cases, and medical and social workers focus on helping traumatized kids. How
0: many lives that we have uh, saved and will have a new and fresh start is how we will measure success.
1: So, mm. yeah, I mean, these are the type of stories, I think, that, that ultimately, you know, it's not that we willfully turn a blind eye to it, but I think... I think just by and large, America would like to think that that's not um something that happens on a regular basis in this country. Mm-hmm. And yet every forty seconds based on FBI statistics, every forty seconds, a child goes missing. Yeah, so you know there's a real need um I think to to turn our attention and and you know look i I understand people are protesting for all kinds of things, but ultimately, if we don't if we don't become a nation. Under God, who actually believes in the sanctity of life, mm. we can expect to get more of this. See, this is just my, my belief. I think if you yeah. make it easy, if you think killing babies in the womb is okay, then what's molesting a child? Mm. What's, what's, what's kidnapping a child? What, what is any of that to you? Yeah. Because ultimately, killing a child is, a, <laughs> I mean, really. It's, so what is, what is indentured servitude? What is, what is slavery? What is sex trafficking? What is any of that in light of the fact that you want to kill babies? Mm. Full term. I mean, you really don't care. Yeah. Just whenever, however.
0: Yeah, because you've you've moved the line. Absolutely right. You've 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 taken the guardrails off of what is moral, what is right, what is just, and so where do you reestablish that line? Uh, this the same thing goes when yeah. we were talking about marriage, and we were talking about uh, people trying to make Christian people feel like bigots because they were saying, "Well, no, marriage is between one man and one woman. It's between one man and one woman." And people were were, were saying that, and everybody was, uh, you know. They were, they were making all kinds of arguments that, that, that Christians were being dogmatic and, and, and bigoted and so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, the argument was simply this. If that's not the line, mm-hmm. then what other premise do you use? What other logic do you use by which to redraw that line? Exactly. So now marriage is no longer, it's not, if you say it's not between a man and a woman, then it's, it's anything. It is anything. It's now whatever we want it to be. Absolutely. And the same is true when you are a society that does not protect the sanctity of life, okay, then where do you if, if it's not in the womb where the human being is the most innocent, the most vulnerable, the most defenseless, then wherever do you redraw the line to say, oh no, this this is this life now is 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 uh is, is uh, sanctified and this life is is a life that is worthy of being saved or kept? Exactly. No, you're kind of making up whatever reasons you have as you go sure. for whether a life is valuable or not. Sure. Right. And so, yeah, I I feel wholeheartedly what you're saying and believe you. And I want I wanted to bring this up here before we move forward about this because this is a very this is a very telling thing and this is one of the the uh, one of the things I have an issue with in our present culture and climate. Uh, when it comes to social justice, especially when it comes to a lot of the arguments that are being made on the basis of systemic oppression, uh, the legacy of slavery in America, et cetera, et cetera, you know, of the same thing. Well, the Walk Free International Human Rights Organization estimates their their latest data, their most accurate data was in 2016, and they estimate that on any given day, 40.3 million men, women, and children will be victims of slavery around the world. Mm-hmm. Now, these these people, of course, they're going to serve the wishes of their enslavers in everything from sex, sex trafficking, and, and perversion, uh, arranged marriages, concubines, and any number of things, any number of sexual perversions. But they're also going to be used in sweatshops and different places to make widgets, gadgets, gadgets, products, you name it, that many people buy, we buy and use, mm-hmm. right? But the thing is, is that if we are so morally... Uh, rip, if 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 slavery is so morally reprehensible, right, right? Why is it that our efforts are for slavery that was two hundred years ago,
1: and only? And only 200 years
0: ago, and not not just 200 years ago, but specifically the enslavement of blacks in America. Correct. Because there's a whole lot of slavery going on that nobody talks about. The volumes of pages written in libraries, the volumes of pages written all over the world have been focused on specifically the enslavement of blacks in the United States of America. And so we seem to have this very... Dare I say, hypocritical and inconsistent relationship with this thing called slavery, because we seem to have more outrage over over the memory of it than the actual existence of it. Right. right, that it is going on right now, and I just wanted to stop and say that as we talk about these things, because around us every day, and yes, they are black and brown bodies of of children and and little girls. This is not, I mean, we're sitting up, and this is why I don't care for this whole social justice stuff, mm-hmm. because it gags at a gnat and swallows the camel, mm-hmm. right? It it wants you to strain at something that is really small and insignificant in the grand scheme of things and put in the scale next to what is really going on in our world, but right. then it wants to act like some of these things just really are not, they don't exist. yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. it's like they 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 don't see. I didn't know, see that. that. Wow, well, I didn't see, see that. You know, yeah. these little girls are getting snatched off the street. Amazing, amazing. You know, and so this is serious business, people. And uh, and I and I'm I'm really proud of the fact that regardless of what anybody wants to say or think about President Donald Trump, this administration has been really putting forth the effort and money to mm-hmm. deal with sex trafficking from day one. From day from one. From day one. Right, mm-hmm. and they've been they have been. They've been on this, and they've been on it seriously, yeah. and, uh, and it's a big thing. And I'm I'm glad to see it taking center stage in the administration. If it's not taking center stage in the American conscience,
1: yeah, and and so you know, just in conjunction with that, the U.S. Marshals also had another operation, Operation Safety Net, in Ohio right around the same time, maybe a week before or, or a couple of days after, yeah. um, where they rescued 25 children. I think the ages there were, were maybe ages 13 to 17, somewhere in there. Um, but, you know, this this is something that, like I said, we should all get behind and be completely no um, excited that law enforcement is finding these perverts wherever they are. Um, and, and really with the advent of of social media, and the amount of time that our kids spend on social media, you understand just how prevalent this becomes because it's, they're, they're now a click of the button, right? A a click of the mouse. And they are in a chat room or they are in a, they're interfacing with, with unknown persons who can portray themselves as whatever they want to portray themselves as. Um, And these children find themselves swept up. And so I think it is important that people understand that, 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 the children who find themselves in these situations don't all come from the same backgrounds. I mean, these, right. could, these could be children that are sitting in a two-parent household. Uh, in suburbs. Living a great in life.
0: class income. You know. uh, absolutely. Yeah. But
1: they get online and they find somebody who says, oh, you know, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, and wouldn't it be great? And they make a decision that's completely life-altering and life-changing. Yeah. Right? So I, I really think that we have to understand what we're up against because it's an insidious – You, I mean, you want to talk about something that's systematic – I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, systematic is being able to to go out and and publish child pornography on a regular basis and, and sell it to the masses. Ridiculous. That's systemic. And I think we should get really upset about that um, and smoke them out of their holes, literally. Um, yes. But but the fact remains that just like just as you said, that that Donald Trump and his administration have taken this issue very seriously. Um, and and you know hats off to them because it's certainly not something that I heard about you know saying four or five years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I yeah. didn't hear a lot about it, and I'm sure it was going on in, as well. Um, so we we certainly like I said, we need to take an opportunity to really t- turn our attention. I mean, if you're gonna get angry about something, yeah, and there's plenty of things to get angry well, there's about. There's a lot you can choose. Don't don't don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> But let's let's. It's a buffet. (laughs) Absolutely. But let's turn our attention to those things that truly are um, important and critical to sustaining any civilized foundation, civilization um, and and society. If we're Mm -hmm. a civilized society, then how do we treat our children that way? Man. if we're a civilized society, how do we allow people to just go out and poach our babies off the street? Yeah. I mean, no, we're not we're not going to allow that to happen. No, um, sure. And so I want to move on to another clip. And and of course, this is in keeping with what we're talking about with the, with the Trump White House. Um, they had Tim Ballard there, um, Operation Underground Railroad. If you're not familiar with the organization, certainly look them up. Um, we support Police that. Do. We support that organization um, because certainly feel very strongly about the work that they do. Um, but Tim Ballard is there. Um, they're having a roundtable with, with President Trump and, and we're going to let him. Talk about it. Thank you so
4: much, Mr. President. Thank you very much. I spent 12 years as a special agent, as an undercover operator, working on the southern border, working sex trafficking cases. Um, and I can tell you, you're exactly right. Uh, one little girl I can tell you about, in fact, I introduced this little girl to Ms., to Miss Trump uh, during a private briefing. This little girl was kidnapped in Central America, 11 years old, groomed for two years, with the intent of getting her ready to come to America. Why? Because we are the highest-consuming nation of child pornography. We are the clientele that's the big money. They brought this little girl through a a part of of the southern border where there was no wall, easily got her to New York City. And this is hard to hear, but this is the truth, and everyone needs to hear this. This little girl, and this is a very typical, raped for money every day 30 to 40 times a day. If that's not a crisis, if that's not an emergency, I don't know what is. Now let me say this, had there been a wall, had there been a barrier, this little girl likely would have been saved because the traffickers would have been forced to take this child through the port of entry where we have amazing law enforcement. I worked with these people. These are the best people on the planet. They can detect, they have equipment, they have trained agents. In contrast, while this was happening, I was working another case, a little boy a Mexican boy who was kidnapped by an American trafficker by a child pornographer. He kidnapped Mexican children, brought them to San Bernardino County, where he had a a makeshift studio, made child porn with these little children, five years old. This little boy was kidnapped in Mexicali, Mexico, where there was a wall, where there is a barrier, and so he was forced to take this little boy through the Calexico Port of Entry, and guess what? It worked. We captured him. We rescued the little boy. And subsequently rescued 12 other children in San Bernardino, California. The difference between those two cases is two plus two equals four. The wall was the difference. The wall rescued this little boy, and the lack of a wall caused this little girl to go through a hell that is indescribable. That is not manufactured. It is a real crisis. It is a real emergency. And you have many
3: thousands of people like this.
4: Thousands. This is this is happening all the time. We, we work in Mexico. We, we have done several operations. I've just met with the, with the Secretary of State, their equivalent, uh, Olga Sanchez, just last month about this. Uh, we are having to do operations in Mexico, our foundation, working with law enforcement to be, essentially become the wall, because there is no wall. We're, we're forward deployed. It's like catching, trying to catch flies with chopsticks. Uh, it works we can we, we can we can make it work but if we had a big you know fly swatter which is the wall that'd be a lot better yeah. it stops it that's great
1: thanks so tim is talking to the president this was a, a summit or a round table that they did back in 2019 but i but i do want to throw this out here this idea that that you know when we're thinking about issues it would be great if we start thinking first and second and third order effects Come on. of what happens on an issue, okay? Yeah, Therefore, when I, the same thing when, I was listening. when I hear a wall, I don't just put up a wall and say, well, he just <laughs> wants to keep, you know, he just doesn't like people and he doesn't want to give people an opportunity. There is evil in the world, folks. God. Evil.
0: It's like you wonder if people lock their doors at night. I'm know, telling and you. I know they do. I'm telling I know they you. They talk like they don't, but I know Gosh. they do. Gosh. You know, and, and that's the thing. There is no, when it comes to particular issues, people fly over them. Yes. Like at 30,000 feet. Yes. And go, ugh. You know, without recognizing that on the ground there is a reality. Absolutely. There is a daily reality. Absolutely. That a wall is serving a greater purpose than just keeping people out or in it is also serving as a means of law enforcement or, or helping law enforcement Correct. because of the fact that there are criminal elements in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody doesn't have a good heart, and here we are i never forget, what was in it, Time Magazine uh, several months ago when the guy took the photograph of the little girl at the border yes, yes. and set the world on fire for 24 hours because he actually edited the mother out of the photo Correct. who was standing right beside the child. Correct. And so everybody's, oh, look at this, look at what this administration is doing, and they're just taking children from their parents and yada, yada, yada. And here we are with a man who has worked in sex trafficking now for many years, doing amazing work with the Underground Railroad, and here he is talking about the importance of this wall as it pertains to helping them do their job, mm-hmm. right? And how the absence of a wall makes it much easier for these these elements to do the things they want to do. Right. And so people never, like you say, there is no second stage analysis of anything. Mm-hmm. Everything is, everything is all about optics and everything's about politics. And because they're so politicized and divided along political lines, they can't even acknowledge good. But then also
1: think about the fact that, you know, here, here we go again. Here, here goes America. We're out there just, you know, trying to mess stuff up for, for people. No, no, we're out there standing in the gap for people, irrespective of if they're even American citizens. Yeah. The issue is that it is wrong. It is wrong. It is evil. Absolutely it's diabolical, wrong. and so you have men and women who are banding it together to stamp out something that is completely on its face. Just it's difficult to even try to think about it. Yeah. To even what uh, are you, people doing? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I just I want people to truly think about it, even even as it pertains to this whole COVID and telling everybody they got to be shut ins. There, not every child is living in a home where they want to be locked in there 24 hours a day. Yeah. Okay? No doubt. Not every it. child goes home and says, you know what? I am so glad they told me I don't have school. Some yeah. kids are like, thank God for school. Yeah. Right? I get seven and a half hours or whatever. Absolutely. So while we're all sitting here just thinking, well, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Just people need to go indoors. People need to do whatever. Again, there, there's, a, there's a world out there. That that some of us, and thank God for that, but have never been exposed to and do not know. But in our not knowing, let us not be so naive as to not to believe that, that those things are happening and yeah. do happen.
0: Yes. Right? And that things have to be done as a result Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and of all the things, like you said, that people want to indict the United States of America for, uh, we are still the bastion of freedom in the world. Yes, we are. We're still the bastion of of executing justice in many ways in the world. And um, people, people don't understand the rapacious nature of our world. Mm-hmm. They, they just, I mean, people honestly think, I, I think sometimes people, they look at America, modern times, innovation, technology, all of our amenities, all of the freedoms and yada, 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 and they just go into a bubble and, and they, they think it's almost like that way mm-hmm. in the whole world. Mm-hmm. And, and we think the same way and certainly no one would do. No, there are places where sex trafficking, prostitution, child pornography, all of these things, they are not vices. They are ways of life.
1: Absolutely. Okay? Okay. Absolutely.
0: There, there are places where preying on underage children, there are people where preying on underage, it is their life. Mm-hmm. They are cases of arrested development, small, miniature human beings. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is a way of life, and we, if we want any type of civility in a society, mm-hmm. if we want any type of... Of 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 a foundation by which to execute justice on any level. Correct. The first thing we're going to have to do is take care of the most innocent, and those are our children. And the fact, like I say, that these kinds of things have to be brought out on podcasts. For by and large, they'll talk about them in the news here and there, but for the most part, mainstream media mm-hmm. is not going to devote a twenty-four hour news cycle to just sit here and talk about this and really make it big. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's one of those things where it's like we've got to we've got to unplug. We've really got to unplug from a lot of the what I call distracting news, that mm-hmm. the, the fake news, stuff that ain't even news. It's lies. It's
1: like we're like cats with lasers.
0: Oh yeah, ooh. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. Something. Oh, oh, oh what they say over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. That's seriously. Good. I mean, that's you good, have to just are. get
1: still sometimes and be like, look, I'm not going to go chase every story.
0: But there is good yeah. work <laughs> going on in the world. Absolutely. And there are good purposes absolutely. and things to get involved in and be a part of and as you said we support the underground railroad and we're going to continue to support it and and I would encourage anybody any of these integral organizations that are out there doing this work we want to talk about slavery it's still happening absolutely is a and a whole lot of it a whole lot of it we can get involved in many ways and really protect our children I, if you're a parent and you've got kids mm. Some of these stories that they tell about these children, and you go back and look at your own, I'm telling you, I I don't know how you cannot be moved to action on some level. Maybe you're not that person to be out there running with with Tim Ballard. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You need to be trained. You know, military, he's former military and everything. So this is serious business for him, but you can get behind them, supporting them financially, supporting them also as Christian people with prayer, because this thing needs to be uprooted in our society. And it then, really does,
1: and then also let's let's start, you know, really where we live, which is this, you know, having to get rid of this secular humanist, um, you no. know, yeah. Just why are why are we embracing that kind of ideology? Because I mean, a secular humanist is just basically someone who says all of your traditions. I mean, your traditional marriage, you know, your your laws, your police officers, you know, all of this stuff that you got from way back when. All of this stuff mm. is so passe. Because man is inherently good. And so if you would just let man just do his thing, you know what you get? You get more of what we've seen, which is chaos in the streets. You see people being victimized for no other reason except that they have lousy leadership who will not call a spade a spade. Would rather sit there and watch their businesses burn to the ground and say, well, you know, I mean, you know, they're just peacefully protesting that's what you get with secular humanism. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people talk about Marxism, but not, not secular humanism. Yeah.
0: But, and, and it's, what you also get is a very timid, a very, well, not timid, but a very tender human being. Yes. Because this is what we are. Yes. That cannot cohabitate with nor tolerate an alternative viewpoint.
1: Absolutely. So sensitive. So sensitive. So sensitive. Because if you if you deny, if oh you say that's wrong, God. you're saying I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so
0: and so that 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 whole idea of secular humanism is it's destructive, it's evil, and it's what we it's what we're allowing to be taught in our schools. Absolutely. It's what we're allowing to be. And, and I'm telling you, Absolutely. there are some preachers teaching and preaching it. Mm. Different iterations of it in their messages and sermons. Making very me and human centered statements. God right? bless you. And we, we, oh man, they make. I would pull my hair if I could get a hold of it, but I don't have enough hair. <laughs> I'm serious; I don't have enough hair. But we're living in this time, man, and and we've got to, as uh, people of God, and then as people who have some decency about ourselves, we have to push back. Because you can't sit back. around, you can't sit around and just just oh woe is me anymore. Mm-hmm. People have got the all hands on deck. All hands on you, deck. You're gonna have to. You got to get off your your blessed assurance, age. and you got to start opening your mouth and you got to start finding out where you can put your hand to the plow yeah. on your level where absolutely, you are absolutely. and start to push back against some of this because it's it's truly gone beyond the pale. It's it's out of hand.
1: Um, I you know I I just want to leave people with with this and and. It's simply that our babies, you know, if, if, if the, the children truly are the future, what the enemy is, is, is trying to do mm-hmm. is to turn out a bunch of broken, hurt, paralyzed individuals yes. who are unable to think for themselves, do for themselves, because they've been so victimized yeah. at an age that it, it, where they are so impressionable and without any type of assistance to be able to get back on their feet and that's why it's important to support operation underground railroad and other I- entities who not only go out and rescue these kids but they rehabilitate them as well right that yeah. they that they help them put together a semblance of a life even after all that at, all that satan has arrayed against them to try to to put them at a disadvantage and a deficit and so yes we need to pray about it but then we also need to be about it in the sense that like it. you said where we can where we can sow, where we can serve, then we do that. But we certainly, you know, we need to pray, but then we also need to march with our vote. How about that? Yeah. How about that? How about supporting uh, an administration that puts kids first? That would be great. Instead of worrying about whether or not he's racist or talking about whether he's orange or worrying about How about how about we just talk about what's actually important
0: yeah how about you just get over yourself
1: there you there you go just get you know, over it
0: <laughs> because you said something very powerful and I don't want to just gloss over it and, and skip over to the next thing even though I know we, we've got more to talk about here but you talked about these kids and the children being our future because it works the secular humanism the hedonism uh, which is just the carnality the flesh the perversion mm-hmm. all of these things work toward. The, the the same ends of any type of Marxist, socialist, communist type of uh, political idea. Sure. Because just as you said, what you do is you create a, a culture of children who, because of their being victimized so much, they're not fit to maintain freedom. Mm-hmm. So you come mm-hmm. along and they don't... They don't have the orientation of because the price of freedom is vigilance. Yeah, right. You, you, when you're free, you gotta work. Mm-hmm. It's just like the kid that grows up saying, Man, I can't wait till I'm grown. I can't wait till I'm grown. I can't wait." And when they get grown and they get out on their own, they want to come back home. Yeah, <laughs> and they, are like, you know, and they, and they, well, at, at the least, they start seeing, "My God, this wasn't what I thought it was." Because exactly. now they got to get themselves up for work. They got to pay their own bills. They have to be vigilant. And that's the price of being free. Mm -hmm. And the same is true in a nation. And so if we continue to allow a generation of children to be unparented, uncovered, uncultivated, and victimized, these children are going to grow up in a time when they're adults. And they're going to be cases of arrested development because of how much they've been victimized. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be fit to be vigilant for freedom. Mm -hmm. So then here comes the demagogue, and here comes the ideologue along to say, hey... Oh, no, absolutely. don't don't even worry about it. Because we're we're kind hearted enough as human beings. Sure. Right. We're we're the angels you've been waiting on. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do everything for you. Uh-huh. Right. And so we've got to we've gotta toughen up in how willing we are to talk about these issues. And we gotta toughen up also in how willing we are to challenge parents. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because parenting is really one of the unspoken problems in our nation. We've got yeah. parents who've just decided, for whatever reason, you know, let the TV raise them, let Facebook raise them. No, no, you, you've got to get hands on your children yeah. because they're, they're, they're far too vulnerable. And when, and when we sit up and we say things about cartoons, speaking subliminal messages, and we say things about TikTok may not be safe. We say, And people think, oh, you're just conspiracy. No, it's not, people. This yeah. is not conspiracy theory. This is real. It's real. This is really going on. Yeah. And it's time we, we get a little tough about it and, and, and be willing to speak up.
1: And people have, and in some ways. You know, you saw some of the backlash for that Netflix show uh, or movie Cuties or whatever, where they had those little 11 yes. year old, 10 year old girls looking way older than Just they needed a to mess. be. And, and this is the kind of stuff that we have to call out every single
0: time no doubt about it
1: because this stuff caters to an audience and don't sit there and tell me that this bunch of you know mothers sitting at home saying this is going to be so cute no 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 the way they had those young girls provocatively dressed and situated on on that poster spoke volumes enough for people to be like whoa time out hold on (laughs) you know what i mean ain't nothing cute
0: about that no doubt nothing cute about And we're talking about something that here's the thing though we're talking about something that ten years ago, right? You, 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 it wouldn't happen. We're talking about something twenty years ago. Nobody would even mm-hmm. thought of doing. Yeah, because there was this, there was this sensitivity, right, to certain things that we're being so desensitized by every display of violence, yes. sex, yes. overt, uh, overtly just se- over sexualizing in our music. And mm-hmm. you got, you got disgusting stuff like WAP and you want to call that art that you legitimize this kind of crap, you know? And so mm-hmm. it desensitizes people. So little by little, people start trying stuff. Absolutely. Right. And mm-hmm. so you end up with little 11 year old underage girls on a, on a cover and an advertisement for something as big as Netflix, mm-hmm. right? That's disgusting and suggestive. Absolutely. So We we've gotta we just gotta wake up and we gotta get tough. Yes, like we gotta be willing to talk about this stuff and not care who likes it or doesn't.
1: We have to stand in the gap.
0: Have to because
1: if we don't, you know, our babies they don't they don't know they don't they don't know they're impressionable. They don't know for them the world they see the world like you said they take it as it comes. So for them everybody's nice everybody's good everybody's. You know, we're all no just having fun, doing our thing, you know. No so so yes, we, we have to we gotta step up. So I wanna I wanna transition from that conversation as somber and as, you know, um as difficult a conversation as that is to the to the RNC and talk about the convention.
0: Some would consider that to be somber. <laughs> <laughs> Some would consider that. Um
1: But certainly like I said, it was going to be a contrast and I was curious to see what the RNC was going to do. Yeah. And I, I just wanna say hats off to you. Were providing live audiences,
0: no.
4: I
1: think that that was, was wonderful and certainly a breath of fresh air. Uh, compared to the COVID, <laughs> compared to the empty rooms that they surveyed during the DNC, I'm just saying that just spoke volumes. Like,
0: you know, you got to you know have what?
1: life, you're there to you gotta have talk it. You about gotta have it. But everybody
0: was like, COVID, oh, Lord. got the people look at all those people with no masks. Oh, goodness, COVID.
1: What did the CDC tell us? How many people have? have Died from oh yeah, the COVID? CDC comes out and what says
0: say? CDC new news. You can Google this; you can find it now. It's it's everywhere. Only six percent of the deaths mm-hmm. of COVID were actually were, were actually COVID alone. Only six percent, right? Wow. Most of them, the overwhelming majority of the deaths to with related to COVID nineteen were with people who had two to three comorbidities. Mm-hmm that were fairly significant in their severity Mm -hmm. and over the overwhelming majority were the elderly. 6% of COVID alone. So that's roughly around maybe what 9,000 people or something or other. I think it was somewhere, somewhere in there. Well, it was just COVID by itself. And so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, all of this talk about COVID just needs to kind of, they need to just get honest about it anyway, because right now people in the street, you know, and they've been in the street for Every months. day. <laughs> uh, every day. I mean, we, to, to commemorate the March on Washington, there were just, what, S- tens of thousands of people, of people, sea of people. on the yes. Washington Mall. And everybody didn't have a mask. No, everybody didn't have a mask. They were in the streets and everybody's not wearing a mask protesting. I mean we, we, we just need to we need to get honest. <laughs> we just need to come out and tell people, look, we pulled a fast one. Mm. <laughs> and we and we did some things, we overreached, the government was extremely just out of bounds.
1: More than that, we blew up your, we blew up the economy because yes. we understood that if we didn't blow up the economy, there was no way that the Democrats had any chance You're kidding whatsoever. Me. Are you saying this was co- political? Of contending. For, uh the presidency period. this was politics none. none
0: is that what you're saying
1: I'm saying everything the whole I mean, world you saying is it, say full it. of politics and it is politics mm. no doubt about it
0: yeah I mean I agree I mean I agree I, I,
1: certainly my my empathy to those who who lost loved ones I mean it's it's mm-hmm. an it's an unfortunate thing but I think again these second and third order effects that we have to think about that people are losing their livelihoods yes that people are are now having to think about what am I going to do now? What, what am I going to do to support my family? Um, where where can we go? What can we do? Um, there's an entire, you know, undue burden that's placed on society because oh people no want to play it. games for power, for power, for power. Just like he says, hmm. everybody, nearly everybody can stand adversity, yeah. but it's what people do with power.
0: It tells you everything about it. Tells
1: it. them what what they will do to keep it, what they'll do to get it back, what they'll do to, I mean, you know, that that's, it's, it's unfortunate, like I said. I don't get on a soapbox about that. No, but, but
0: you're right. You're absolutely um, right about it. And uh, so the RNC came out in contrast with the live uh, audiences. The people were there. yeah. Um, and they came out, and the RNC, <laughs> they had some excitement about them. Now, I will say this. Look, and I'm not trying to be partisan. I'm not trying to be... Overly political. I'm just being a casual observer. Mm -hmm. I'm a person who's watching. I'm I'm people watching. I'm party watching. I'm I'm convention watching. The DNC was boring.
1: Say it ain't so. It was
0: drab. It was it it just lacked a lot of energy.
1: (laughs) There was no zing or no pep. No, no, (laughs) it didn't. It didn't have
0: any zing or pep. Now the RNC, the speakers. The format, the people, they came out like they were glad to be there mm-hmm. and they had something to say. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing when you listen to certain people, you can listen to people and tell when they really have something to say and they want to say it. And then there are people who are just saying something in hopes of convincing you of believing there's more there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and I'm sorry. That's just my basic observation. And I think... I think anybody who's honest would say the same thing because you could the social distancing, the the the, the way the people were set out, the, the different things that they in empty rooms, it, it was weird. just really it really wasn't um It just it it didn't connect. It wasn't relatable.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was relatable at all.
0: No, no, no. And when you're turning on your television, you can say what you want to about being responsible and social distancing. But when you're turning on your television, seeing people looting and riding in the streets, when you're turning on your television and seeing people uh, gathering and different things, you know, at the end of the day, you can say what you want, but evidently crowd is not necessarily being this explosive transmitter as we, we want to make it out to be. And if it is, then evidently people are like, well, you know, I'll take the risk, (laughs) you know, it ain't no big deal to them. Right. Right. And given what the CDC just said, evidently COVID must not be as lethal by itself. Sure. Right. Right. As people thought it was. And as we were led to believe it was, uh, given all of the actions taken by government, and so,
1: but ultimately, if you're serving as the president of the United States, I I need to know that you're okay to to be in front of people, give your speeches, come out of the basement, yeah, actually deliver it to yeah. to real human beings yeah. to see their faces when they're like, yeah, I didn't I don't understand that point, and, and still be able yeah. to make it through that that particular address, and the fact that you haven't done that, I think. I think it speaks volumes. And, and I, I it's not about being partisan. No. It's just there's it, There's just, no, there's truth, just right and wrong. I'm sorry, y'all. There's just right and wrong. It's just obvious. Okay? And there's one side that stands for a lot of wrong. And there's one side that might not do everything right, but that's because we're human. We can say that about both sides. But but it's trying to head in the right direction. Yeah. But, but overall, just... By and large, when you sat down, like you said, and watched the RNC, it was a completely different vibe. It wasn't that America was, you know, just a terrible nation. It wasn't just that, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, how, how, how are we going to survive another four years? As much as it was one of optimism and, hey, mm-hmm. there, there's more in store. And so I think, it was, I think it was uplifting and I think that's why it was well received. I think there was, what, 25 million or so or, or viewers during the RNC or something like oh that yeah there was,
0: it, was, uh, it, was had, it had good reviews and uh, they, the reviews of course were they were bigger than the Democratic convention but it's, it's, uh, to me' it's, it's beyond all of those little points of, of data. It's just all about the fact that when you listen to one you feel like the Republican Party were talking to the American people yeah. whereas the DNC felt like they were talking to highly specific groups. Like they, they can never seem to escape identity politi- politics. Mm-hmm. They can never get out of that pigeonhole. Yeah. And it's it's been a real interesting thing to watch, man. Because I've been watching both sides because this has been really interesting to see.
1: I want to correct real quick though. I think it was they had twenty five million more people watching the RNC. Twenty five million more. Yeah. I think it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They yeah they had more views and actually I think they they raised more money as well. Yeah. Or it was more money came in as a result of it, but but at the end of the day, that that that's that's all politics, and I'm just as a citizen looking at it. Yeah. One of them just didn't land. <laughs> it just it didn't land. It didn't land, and no. it and and I'm I'm honest enough to to I would tell you if it did, but it did not land, and it was not very good, and uh, and I just think, man, I don't I don't know where people are now, you know, and then. <laughs>
1: Well, let's let people hear, you know, some of what was said. Our fellow
2: Americans tonight, with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for President of the United States.
3: With gratitude for the confidence President Donald Trump has placed in me, the support
2: of our Republican Party, In the grace of God, I humbly accept your nomination to run and serve as Vice President of the United States. Now more than ever, America needs four more years of a warrior in the White House. I'm here because we need my
3: husband to be our President and Commander-in-Chief for four more years. He's what is best for our country. On November 3rd, you need to ask yourself, Who do you trust to rebuild
2: this economy? In a new term as president, we will again build the greatest economy in history, quickly returning to full employment, soaring incomes, and record prosperity.
1: It's all on the line. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. You are capable. You are qualified, you are powerful, and you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. Don't let the Democrats take you for granted.
3: President Trump built the most inclusive economy ever. Seven million jobs created pre-COVID-19, and two-thirds of them went to women, African Americans, and Hispanics.
0: Wow. So, uh that booming voice, second <laughs> to the last <laughs> that you heard, I just got to bring her up. She's Kimberly, like, coach,
1: G- coach, 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 go, coach. Kimberly
0: Guilfoyle was like she was I, ready. She, she was like, ready. She came out preaching. She was preaching like a preacher.
1: I thought it was great, though. I was like, "Girl, get excited! I ain't mad at <laughs> <ain't> you. <laughs> it's excited. worth getting excited about."
0: She was really excited, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I said, the 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 whole overall tone was very positive. The whole overall tone was optimistic, and the whole overall tone came from, you know, President Trump believing, and this administration believing, that despite COVID-19, we're going to rebuild this again. Absolutely. There's there's like this unstoppable optimism, like Mm -hmm. that you you can never suppress it, watch what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I think people people see that and i think people recognize first of all because now the thing about president trump now is now he's not running a campaign off of, of words now he has a record now he oh, has sure. now he has a, a track record behind him sure. he has what you would you can consider signs and wonders following if you would to, to use a <laughs> biblical phrase he has he has these this economy that was built he has many of the things that were done in foreign policy mm-hmm. i mean Changing, getting out of these these terrible deals, and uh, really putting America first when it comes to economics and when it comes to jobs. And just as Tim Scott said there at the end, you know, employing women, African Americans, and Hispanics, and people felt that you know this wasn't just talk. They felt the income, they felt the 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 well being <laughs> and the welfare. Before COVID nineteen came along, mm-hmm. and so I think if the RNC is able to capture that and has been able to capture that well and communicate that, I think a lot of people are going to find it tough not to vote for Donald Trump. I, I think it is because I think coming off of of COVID nineteen, I think people are going to want to get back to life. Right? They're going to want. They're yeah. going to want to. They're going to want to. And they're going to want to. Pick the person they feel as though can get them back to that.
1: So you're not trying to hear from the person who wants to do a national mask mandate. <laughs> you're like, oh, dude, I'm, think, I'm a little yeah. over that, I yeah, think, at this yeah. point. I kind of want to <laughs> get back to what I was doing, you yeah, know. Yeah, but
0: you know, people manage what they can manage. Right? Oh, absolutely. And so it's you're either best going Best quote ever, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. So you're either going to... <laughs> manage what they can manage. You're going to either enlarge or shrink... Your, your administration based on, yeah, based on what you can do. You're going to tackle stuff your own size. And Absolutely. so if you're as big as a mask, then that's what you're going to do. You're, you're going to you govern, masks masks. You're masks govern masks all the time.
1: You're going to govern masks.
0: But I want to say something here, and I hope I'm not taking us too far off the beaten path when I say this, but this is something I've been thinking about here recently when it comes to President Trump, because you know as well as both of us, when we first started out in 2016, we were not anti-Trumpers, but at the same time we were not on board. I
1: was just like this is important, dude. Yeah, it's important. There's no time were, to play. <laughs> we were both
0: we were both when he came down the escalator, we it were both critical. like, you know, we had reserved enthusiasm about him because we were like, "Yeah, no, come on, man." Cuz we we both knew whoever gets in the office is going to have to be a big human. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to really make some tough decisions, deal with some stuff, and they're going to have to if you're conservative, you're going to have to make some tough choices. You're going to have to be able to stand tall in the pocket is what we talked about. Yeah. So, so he wasn't, he was, he was someone that was like, yeah, how's a celebrity, a media mogul, real estate mogul going to, you know, you just said no. But at the end of the day, what I am watching, and you tell me if, how you feel about this. Mm-hmm. First of all, he has run against everybody, not just the Democrats. Yeah. He has been running against the establishment Republican Party as well. Absolutely. Who have many, many members who cannot stand him, right? (laughs) So he's been running against both parties. If he wins another four years in office, do you believe, this is what I've been thinking about, that he is actually serving to rebrand, reshape, and mold in a different image the Republican Party.
1: Oh Yeah, it's a major reset. It's a major reset. Because
0: if you think about it, and this is what people don't want to give him credit for, if you think about it, Mm -hmm. at a Republican National Convention, you heard talk about things that you didn't used to hear when it comes to this emphasis on black unemployment. Absolutely when it comes to this emphasis on these opportunity zones and and making investments in inner cities, Mm You hear this talk about charter schools, which are predominantly those schools that have been successful in educating inner-city kids when they couldn't be educated by the public school system, so to speak. Right. They've had a lot of success in those areas. Not every charter school is successful, but the charter schools I have really yeah. been doing a great job with the uneducatable, if you would, to make up a word, kids sure. that are they're having, having troubles with. So you've seen an emphasis on that as well. You've seen people been given an opportunity to have voice in his administration that are women, and nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah, They, they don't want to talk about it. He has uh, the Hispanic unemployment rate. It, it has been a lot of things said that the RNC, in my humble opinion, in the past, has not been very good at when it comes to communicating. I've always felt like conservative values were the best for the country for everybody. Sure. But the RNC never did a good job of communicating how beneficial those conservative well, no, they, values are. They
1: got boxed in by identity politics. Yes. Like, oh, oh, I can't come out. The, I'm on the yeah. ropes. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and, like and all of the there. and all of this guilt. Yeah, over the absolutely. past, they sit back in there. They have a, they're under a gag order, and they refuse absolutely. to communicate with clarity the benefit of conservative principles and values. Yes. Right. But here, this man comes along. And he cannot be bullied. I mean, he can't be told to shut up. You can't call him a racist and make him hush. You can't call him a sexist and make him hush. You can't call him anything. He just keeps plowing straight ahead. Yeah, and keeps. And it's not about temperament. It's about policy making that is being good for a lot of Americans. As Tim Scott said the most inclusive economy, which is a very important thing to think about. Yeah. Right. And not only that, rolling back a lot of regulation for for people, for entrepreneurs and for people to to start their own businesses. This has been one of the most interesting times because I feel as though. He's not, of course, an establishment candidate. He's a populist. He's a guy that just ran talking to the American people and the American people took it because at the end of the day, they were tired of Obama's eight years. They were tired of of what they got out of that. And they were tired of just that establishment person that stands up there as a figurehead. And so I feel like going forward, if he wins in November, it's going to be hard for the Republican Party to go back to that level of uh, timidity about these things. If they want, they're going to have to come out. You know, they're going to have to change. Now, the left seems to be dedicated to going as far to the left as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's the unique thing I'm watching. And it, it's, it's really something to see because I feel like both parties are being affected by President Trump in a way that is extremely unique. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward.
1: Well, I just want to say and to put a pin in it that, you know, congratulations, America. That's what leadership looks like. And I hope everybody is 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 paying attention, because ultimately leadership is not, it's not just looking the part. It's not just getting up and slow jamming the news. Okay, anybody can slow jam the news. You got to go out there and you have to deal with problems, real problems, to impact real people.
0: You got to take the hits, and you
1: have to be willing to be the bad guy, and and not worry about whether or not people know all the crowning accomplishments or even want to recognize them. Who cares? I'm going to keep going in this direction and I'm going to make America great, and I'm going to keep America great. How about that? Yeah. And to me, that's very refreshing because we just haven't had that. I mean, you know, even under George W. Bush, it was, you know, the kinder, gentler conservative who didn't really want to say much about anything, who loved, you know, not having uh, an immigration policy worth anything, who yeah. wanted to flood the United States with immigrants and, and uh, you know, impact wages negatively for black and brown people all across the, the nation. So yeah. those are things that people didn't really want to... To touch. So, you know, like I said, I, I'm not sitting here like he is, you know, the second coming of Christ. No. No. But what I am saying is that at the end of the day, tough times, impervious times, times where you feel like this seems like it's getting kind of, you know, I don't know. This isn't my yeah. America. Yeah. Those are the times when you want people who you know can be counted on to be consistently themselves. You're the same person that you were on day one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they don't shy away from controversy. And, and they
1: don't. But, yeah. they, but they remain consistent. Thank yeah. God for consistency. You know why I'm not mad about him being on Twitter? Because he's consistently on Twitter. So, okay. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I figured that out about you, and that's okay. I can roll with that. Yeah. Um, versus some of these other, you know, chameleon-like politicians who from the next day to the next day to the next audience to the next mm-hmm. question. Oh, yeah. Don't want to give you the same answer. So yeah. you don't know where they stand about it.
0: They're like sailors. They're just looking for the wind. Absolutely. They're just looking for the wind. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: we're going to move on, though, just real quickly. I, I want to show everybody, you know, that the RNC, great, wonderful, optimism. But but here's what happened after uh, the culmination, the final night of the RNC. Um, folks that were leaving uh, that function, going back to their hotels there in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Can I ask you a few questions? <laughs> I just want to get my guests to hotel. I
3: don't want to get my guests to so <laughs> the hour, You at right? the I watched your speech. <laughs> You can tell that man behind the mask is Rand Paul, Uh, a bunch of protesters descending on the Kentucky senator and his wife, Kelly, as they left the uh, the president's RNC speech from the White House. Actually, it was a longer trip than that. He joins us right now for his first live interview since that confrontation. Uh, Senator, good morning. That looks scary. Yeah,
2: you know, my wife and I, it was horrific. You know, we had two uh, women with us who were friends of ours. We had looked out, you know, we came out of the speech. At the and White House. We looked, to, in, we looked into the street. Our hotel was only right across the street from the White House. But we couldn't go because the mob was already chasing people down that chose to go out that exit. So the Secret Service says, get on a bus and ride to the Trump Hotel. So we got on a bus. It took 45 minutes to get through all the mobs. We get there safely. And then we say, we'll get an Uber to go all the way back where we came from. And we wanted to be dropped off at the hotel but as we got close to it, the streets were blocked and no one would let us through. And what happened is there was two blocks and I regret that I made this decision, but I said, we're gonna walk the two blocks. We walked one block, but as we walked one block, we could see some police in the distance, but we also saw a mob of about 30 people marching and yelling. They all of a sudden saw me right as we got to the policeman, fortunately, or I don't think we'd have survived. We got to the policeman and I, the policemen, I don't think, recognized me. And as they came closer, they were shouting my name and the crowd doubled to 60. Mm-hmm. And then it doubled again to 120. And as they were surrounding us and it got closer and closer and everybody kept pushing back, the policemen were forming a, a barricade with their bodies. I whispered to the policemen, they know who I am. You've got to get reinforcements. It's going to get worse. He called for reinforcements, but we didn't get any reinforcements. We waited, but the crowd was getting bigger and bigger and pushing in. Uh, they were yelling, through THREATS, THEY WERE TRYING TO PUSH THE POLICE OVER TO GET TO ME, THEY WERE GRABBING AT US, AND IT GOT WORSE AND WORSE AND WORSE, AND THEN FINALLY WE DECIDED TO MAKE A MOVE. I SAID, WE'VE we've GOT TO MOVE, IF THERE'S NOT GOING TO BE reinforcements, WE HAVE TO TRY TO GET TO THE HOTEL, WHICH WAS ANOTHER BLOCK. AND THEY WERE SHOUTING THREATS, YOU KNOW, TO US, TO to KILL US, TO HURT US, BUT THEY'RE ALSO SAYING, SHOUTING, SAY HER NAME, Breonna TAYLOR. And it's like, you couldn't reason with this mob, but I'm actually the author of the Breonna Taylor law to end no-knock raids. So the irony is lost on these idiots that they're trying to kill the person who's actually trying to get rid of no-knock raids. And they were shouting and screaming and just, it it really, these people were unhinged, but I can't...
1: So the first clip that we saw was Vernon Jones and a guest of his coming out of the RNC. And so you've got all these folks yelling, screaming, say her name, are you you a Trump supporter. And and the question is when did being a Trump supporter become a crime? Is that is that now is there a public y'all gonna put us in stocks or what are we gonna what what's happening now? Because you simply disagree on policies or on your particular person, right? They don't even it's a, disagree on person. policy.
0: They probably don't even know what policies are. That's true. That's true. Evidenced by the fact that in the uh, subsequent uh, video, it's Rand Paul, and they're saying the same thing to Rand Paul, say her name, and they're talking about Breonna Taylor, and the bitter irony is <laughs> that this is the man that has put forth legislation in honor of what happened to Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. right, concerning the no-knock, the no-knock warrants, right, and so they're, they're screaming at this man, talking about, say her name, as though he doesn't know her. But really, it's proving that they don't know him or her. At all. They don't, they don't, they don't know anything
1: about that case. They, they, don't
0: know, at all. they don't know anything about the case. They don't know anything about what is being done as a result. And that's why I say it's not policy differences with these people. These people probably don't even know a lot about policy. These people are, many of them are paid. Yeah. Many of them are put up to create as much damage and consternation as possible absolutely, yeah. to achieve a political end
1: and also you know think it not strange that this is all about intimidation and oh, it's not yeah. so much about intimidating the people who are in the middle of the of, of that fracas you I mean you know Vernon Jones or, or Rand Paul they might not necessarily be impacted in that way to be intimidated but it is for the everyday citizen to watch oh, that yeah, and say oh, I don't yeah. think I think I'll just be quiet yeah I won't say anything because I don't want that
0: to happen. And it's also to try and use that intimidation as a tool to carry over into election day.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because you no
0: doubt people are thinking, well, how are these fools going to act when we go to the polls? Absolutely. And so really, it's being used as a means to scare people away from voting the way they don't want them to vote. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the whole thing. Yes. And my thing is, anybody, any party that will sit back and allow such a thing, such an uncivilized display against uh, uh, f- fellow compatriots that are involved in politics just like you, mm-hmm. right? Because you didn't get that coming out of the DNC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no people, no people doing all of that stuff. Yeah, we let
1: y'all watch those fireworks in peace. You yeah. Know? You did y'all what just you, stared up at the
0: sky. You did awesome. what you did. You did yeah. what you did. But the fact that they would sit back and not denounce these types of things and really come out strong to stop this kind of foolishness... It shows you just how desperate they are on that side, because there's nothing there, <laughs> right? There's nothing there by which to vote for, so we're going to try to scare people from voting the other way, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, but that but that's also the beauty of, of voting in person. Like I said, that's why this mail-in ballot stuff is just a scheme, yeah. okay? Because I'm when you down. go in the in the ballot booth and you do it by yourself, you don't have to tell nobody who you. Marked on that <laughs> on that form. No, you don't. You go in there, you mind your business, you you put it in the box and you walk out. That's it. Okay. But when I do that mail in ballot thing, who's to say who who knows who's rifling through
0: <laughs> who's <laughs> rifling through my mail? I mean,
1: I'm just being honest. Oh, it's who, the truth. Who's, who's to say?
0: It's the truth. So there's
1: there really is a need for people, like I said, to to look this straight into the face and just be like, you know, doggone it, I'm not gonna let that foolishness mm-hmm. move me one iota. Yeah. Because people are just They're only that crazy because they feel emboldened, but the minute somebody fights back, the minute somebody (laughs) says enough, it'll completely change the conversation.
0: And and that's a scary proposition to think about when it comes to voting, because with all of the different uh, conflict that we got going on here, that is of a political nature, if we're Mm -hmm. just honest about it, leading up to the uh, election, if we don't protect the integrity of the election, and there is all, and it's fraught with all kinds of controversy and conspiracy and yada, yada, yada. And y- people are going to respond, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. This is one election that is going to have serious kickback,
1: a visceral response.
0: Oh, it's going to be a visceral response, yeah. regardless of the outcome. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> it is what no it doubt is. about it. It is what it is. And that's why we talk about the things we talk about here on the show, because we've got to try and conserve and preserve this culture because we are, we are losing it, folks. We are coming apart at the seams, and uh, we can't stand by and watch it happen. So we thank you guys for once again tuning in to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. We're going to bring this one to a close. Please remember to like, subscribe, share this podcast with those you believe are interested in this type of dialogue. And until next time, God bless.